0: Welcome to For Something Greater. I am Dominic Holly, your host, and I am so happy you are here today. This is a podcast where we dig deep into what it takes to pursue your dreams, create an impact, and be a world changer. We get real, honest, and vulnerable. We dig into the challenges, the roller coasters, the triumphs, and everything in between. So grab your coffee or your green drink, and let's dig into today's episode. Folks, you are in for such a treat today. I was finally able to get my friend Elena on the podcast. She is an incredible storyteller, producer, director. She, along with her co-producer and director, um, created a documentary series that they're in the process of doing post-production on about the 76 remaining orcas in the Vancouver area. And she is such a dynamic speaker, such a dynamic individual, and we dig into so much in this episode. She is um, really sheds light on her process and where she's come from, and it's been a really incredible watching her because I've known her for about two years, and even her process in two years from where she was to where she is now, it's, it encourages me all the time that we're constantly a work in progress. There's no final destination. And so this episode will be a really special one. So grab your coffee, grab your tea, whatever it is, and let's dig in. Okay, welcome to the podcast. Today we have Eleanor on and I'm so excited um, because we've been trying to connect for a long time and I'm so excited we actually kind out some time. So thanks for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's great to chat. I've enjoyed our chat so far, which has been off recording thus far. And it's, yeah, I'm excited to dig into some juicy topics with you. So let's do it.
0: Yeah. So why don't you um, share a little bit about uh, what you do and what you've created so far. And then we'll dig into a couple questions I have.
1: Cool. Um, Yeah, so... Right now, I'm currently working on a 10-part documentary series about endangered orcas on the west coast of Canada and the United States. They're called the Southern Resident Killer Whales, uh, Resident Killer Whales, because they are the species of killer whales that is resident to the coast. So they live quite close. And for that reason, they have, they are Um, arguably the most famous killer whale species in the planet. They're the first species to ever be captured and brought to marine parks around the world, and they're very beloved on the coast. Um, As well as they're an important part of the ecosystem. So this 10-part series really takes a look at, like, what's their role in the ecosystem as they're approaching extinction, and why are they going extinct? What does that mean about the health and the state of the ecosystem as a whole? so yeah, it's a ten-part series. It's called Coextinction, uh, and I, yeah, I it's, a, it's a great name. And it kind of does uh, allude to the what I was just talking about. So how everything is interconnected, and how the killer whale is very much like a canary in the coal mine type story. Um, yeah, so that's that's a big part of what I do uh, right now. I've been working on that for a couple years. Currently, we're in post-production, so we're spending most of our time editing and developing out content that we can pitch to distributors. Um, and then other than that, uh, I recently started working with a really cool organization called Milky Wire, and they're a Swedish startup, and they're building a platform to help bring attention to the work that impactors are doing. So the... The idea is that impact is the new influence. So think of it as uh, the next Patreon or Kickstarter where um, you have someone on the ground doing really amazing humanitarian or conservation work with wildlife or um, something that's really making a real difference in the community and work that's really interesting. And um, they'll have their own story told on this platform and then people can watch their content and donate to their cause. Um, so I'm working with them to help create content for that platform. So, um, in about a week from now, yeah, I'll be That's headed so off great. to Africa to do some shooting of some impactors on the ground, mostly doing wildlife conservation. So it's a busy and exciting time right now with those two projects. Um, otherwise I'm living it up on the West coast. Yeah. yeah. Cause you've
0: been, <laughs> yeah, cause you've been all over the place. So in season one of this podcast, My goal is to really dig into – so people have a lot of ideas for things that they want to create and do and, you know, create an impact in the world. And then there's a very small percentage of people who actually go and do it, right? And so I – in season one, we have really been digging into, you know, you had this idea and then what did it actually take for you to go and actually go and do it? And I think that's something that's not talked often about often enough about it. Um, I think, um, it's, you know, I had this idea and then, you know, I just went and did it. And I'm I really want to dig into. So, let's use coextinction, for example, you probably had the idea at some point, And then what did it take for you to actually go and, and, uh, and create it to the extent it had? So can you give us a, uh, like the short background story of how co-extinction came into play sure, yeah. as um, an idea first?
1: Yeah, I think that's a, a great question, too, that you're getting out there. Um, a big question for a lot of people who are who have these ideas, but don't know where to take it. Um, yeah, so CoExtinction got started, actually, initially I was working on a project that I'd started up called One Species, and I was building clothing collections around specific endangered species. It was basically just, I wanted to build a business, and then I found this cool way to, to weave my passion for wildlife and the wild into clothing and uh, the first species that i chose was the southern resident killer whale to be fully honest it was a totally arbitrary choice kind of googled it and then was like oh this seems to be a popular species in mm. in north america killer whales are cool like let's 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 roll with it um but it took me to the west coast for a trip uh where i learned about them actually on the water and with uh, the partner organization that i was working with and that really connected me to the West coast and connected me to the killer whales and the issue at large on a much deeper and real level that prior to that, uh, you know, even though I was selling clothing and supporting the cause, I didn't really fully, uh, I wasn't really fully connected to it until then. Um, and I met my documentary partner out on the water. So she was working for their, for the conservation organization, uh, we were partnered with and she was, um, uh, yeah, she and I met, and it was actually her idea to make a documentary series, but it wasn't until a number of months later, both of us were back in Toronto, and she pitched the idea to me because she saw me as someone who uh, liked to go out and create my own stuff and a uh, go-getter, and um, obviously with an interest in this killer whale population as well. And basically, I just said yes <laughs> and and went with it. Um, we weren't really good friends or anything at the time. It was kind of, uh, I it's, it's funny, at, like uh, looking back on it now, and I remember at the time thinking to myself, like, what am I, you know, what am I doing? Like starting this project that in this industry that I've never worked in with someone that I've never really worked with or even really know, all of the, um, you know, on paper, everything was kind of stacked against me in that regard. But, uh, it was kind of an instinctual thing,
0: and I, yeah, I lo- I'm gonna pause you here. I love, I love this because I think people often tend to just um, glaze over it. So, you, when she when she kind of pitched it to you, had you had any previous experience in filmmaking before that point?
1: Um, a little bit. Uh, I studied engineering, but all throughout my, my degree and actually early on, even in, you know, in, in high school before that, in my spare time, I was always making like funny videos. Um, so, okay. yeah, I had had very amateurish experience and no real intention to go into the film industry whatsoever uh, until this project
0: really? Eh? Yeah. Okay. So you had like, you know, some experience, but it had never cro- had and you had never considered making, you know, a documentary film before or anything film related.
1: No, it was kind of a to be honest, when I was younger, you know, it was like a a fantasy idea. I wanted to be, you know, I read a lot of National Geographic and watched all of the, you know, the, the David Attenborough shows. And so I had this vision of being a photographer, filmmaker, documentary filmmaker. Um, but it seemed, it, I, I just kind of like, I think it was ambition and pressure to uh, live up to what other people saw me as, because um, I was quite a, 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 a high excelling student in, in high school. So I, I kind of wanted to live up to that and got excited about the possibilities there. And so that's why I didn't pursue it um, until later.
0: Yeah. Okay, perfect. So your partner came up to you and what's her name? Gloria. Okay. So Gloria came up to you, pitched it, and then you just felt instinct-wise that you this is something you wanted to take part of.
1: Yeah, you know, you know what, like upon I've thought about this a lot because Gloria has been an incredible partner to work with. Um, We both bring different skill sets and ways of being to the table as as uh, as partners and team leaders. Um, At the time, I think really what it was, was both her and I really clicked on vision speak which is mm. the ability to share an idea and get excited about it in a very honest and uh, real way where you where you truly believe that you can go forward and, and, and accomplish what it is that you're talking about. Um, yeah, the dream speak. There's this like enduring optimism that both of us have. Um, and I think that that is, at least in my experience, a rare attribute. Um, in people in people like going out to create things like this like enduring optimism um, about what it is and it's not I mean you could have depending on there was definitely a dash of naivety in there and I think that's okay you know naivety just means that you're gonna make mistakes but if you have enduring optimism then you have the capacity to move beyond those mistakes and we've definitely made a lot of mistakes so um, yeah I think that you know, enduring optimism and optimism as a term shouldn't be misconstrued into naivety. They're two separate things, but sometimes they do go together and that's okay. Um,
0: yeah. Okay. So you guys connected. And then if you were to look at it, what was the next thing that you started doing? Um, we met
1: up in a coffee shop. Uh, we started talking about all of the unimportant things, like what we were going to name it. And, uh, um, but we did start talking about how we were going to fundraise. Um, and that is the first thing that you need to do, uh, when you're, when you're looking to create a film, (laughs) you need, you need money and you need to be good at raising it. Um, so we started talking about raising money. We also started talking about team members. We knew that we needed to build out a team. We wanted to build out a team. We started planning out what the documentary would look like. Eventually, it became clear that we wanted to make it a series. And then you know, I was really pushing, like, let's go big with this. And Gloria was all on board with that um, because we recognized how, at that time, about uh, just under two years ago, there was a lot of global attention on the specific uh, population of killer whales. and they really are representative of the Pacific Northwest as a whole in terms of ecological health and where uh, the ecosystem is going and our effect on it. So um, this amazing charismatic species, uh, so beautiful that so many people already connect with, um, but also there's all of this global attention and a need to uh, change things on, on the West Coast. So uh, we saw it as this like really amazing opportunity to bring a story to the forefront in a big way. Uh, the timing was right, and it was a beautiful story. So, um, yeah, so we decided we were going to go big with it, as big as we possibly could. And uh, we have pretty much since then just been building momentum uh, and continuing to upkeep that that vision. And it's amazing to see how far we've come since Um but our first step was fundraising, so I could talk a little bit about that if if you're interested and uh, in the different phases of documentary filmmaking for anyone who's listened uh, interested.
0: Yeah, because you guys have done some really incredible things from kickstarters. You got like a really large grant as well, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think those things are always it just fascinates me because you know you have this big vision. And if you were to look at it, what was it that actually propelled that vision into reality, into actually being able to do your Kickstarter and raising? What did you guys raise? Like $46,000 on the Kickstarter?
1: Yeah, the Kickstarter was somewhere around there, just under $50,000. We had originally, I remember being, being like, okay, if we do 15K, like that's great. So let's put it at 20K. And then, oh, my gosh, it'd be amazing if we hit 20K. And, wow, what if we hit 30 and then and then we hit 50? And I think anyone who's had a fairly successful Kickstarter campaign kind of goes through that motion of, wow, like, oh, it's amazing to see all of
0: this support. Um, yeah, and that's huge. And you, then you guys had your grant. Um, and if you were to look at it and the steps that you guys have created – in what, for you, was the beneficial thing that – because I'm trying to demystify, mainly in my own selfish interest in what I'm creating, but I really think – in the interest of other people who really have an idea, who don't have a lot of previous experience will start and then they like run into something or something happens. And then, you know, it's often easy to be like, well, you know, I guess it wasn't meant to happen. What for you, if you were to look at your journey, did you have in place or had you like experienced before that really set you up to continually, Rego go back to the vision and then look at, you know, well, this is the next step to do. What for you do you think really set you up for success in that?
1: Yeah, I think it's really that um, what I was uh, talking about before, which is that eluding op- optimism or naivety. I think to draw uh, a really cool analogy, something I, I, I like to use it as, a, as an example, in, is that uh, when you're learning to, to walk... You know, it's like expected that you're supposed to be able to walk. but And you don't know at the time that like learning is difficult. Like if you look at um, people who have gone through some you know, sort of traumatic injury where they have to relearn how to walk and how difficult of an experience that is. And there's always the question of, oh, am I going to be able to learn how to walk again if it's a severe injury? Um, And compare that to the experience of if you're a if when you're a child and you have just this like, enduring optimism around okay no like you're just gonna learn to walk like it's not acceptable you could you could take three years but you're gonna learn how to walk you could keep falling and um, you always get back up again I think it's the the same kind of thing with with anything like if you set your your sights on something there's no reason why you won't be able to achieve it in some capacity it might not necessarily look exactly how you envision it. Um, In in fact, it definitely won't. It will be some varied form of it. Uh, But uh, you will get there as long as you just continue to work towards it. And it could happen tomorrow. It could happen in a year. It could happen in 10 years. Um, We had actually a first major setback when we were trying to fundraise. We had built a small team and we decided to host this massive concert to fundraise a bunch of money. Uh, And we had our sights set on $20,000 and we found the best venue in Toronto. We found the best musicians. We got so much alcohol sponsored and good alcohol. Um, It was like, it was set up to be the coolest event. Uh, We created this Facebook event and all of these people clicked attending and then no one showed up. It was like this huge gorge, yeah, gorgeous hall. There was like ten people <laughs> and uh awkwardly dancing to the music and I remember we made like we made like a deficit of five hundred dollars. It was just like we we it was it was so it was so unfortunate <laughs> and it was uh it was definitely a letdown. But uh our team, luckily, was really quick to just kinda laugh about it. I remember that we just kinda like laughed about it. Um, you know, there was no real serious loss uh, other than other than time, but time's on our hands, um, you know, because you can continue to just move forward and, and, and work on it. So that's what we did. And uh, our next step was then the Kickstarter, which was a big success. And that helped as our first major stepping stone in in regards to momentum building.
0: I love, I really love that you share that, that like concert story because you know, I think it's easy. I think most people, when something like that happens, it's like, well, you know, I guess it didn't work out, right? And for you, your part of the story was that didn't work out. And then the next thing you did worked really, really well with the Kickstarter. But if you look at it, what did you probably you weren't even aware of, but what did you have in place that enabled you to kind of like, you know, roll with the punches, stand back up and be like, okay, that didn't work out. We're negative $500. Let's just move forward. What was in place for you that allowed you to just kind of like roll with that and move on?
1: Um, I think a lot of different elements, none of it concrete. It wasn't something that we sat down and we decided in like a, you know, company, at that point where we, we weren't even a company, um, in a company meeting that we were going to have these values instilled in the way that we, that we make decisions and work. It was something that was, uh, like I said, Gloria is such a great partner. And also our other partner, Andrew, um, our team as a whole, um, we've made sure is all really good vibe. Honestly, that's one something that we say all the time. It's just mm-hmm. like good vibes only. Uh, on the team, uh, and that has been that has been huge because you know again that enduring optimism is is so important. It allows you to just pick yourself up and move on. I think in life, on a personal level, uh, figuring that out has been transformative, as well. Like really, I guess identifying it, I've certainly always being a vision visionary type person, really excited about ideas and bringing them to life. Um, but in order to execute them, you have to have this ability to let go. And then once you actually let go, you can lean back in. It's uh, something that I say to myself all the time, let go, lean in the let go is, you know, in the case of the concert, like, okay, let go of the story that you're telling yourself that no one is going to care about this or let go of the story that you can't fundraise or this or that or whatever. And then once you truly have like actually let it go, and I think good humor is a good way to do that in, in our case, uh, you know, again, it wasn't a process. We just kind of, like, laughed about it. We, we joked about it. <laughs> we, made, we made fun of ourselves, but we didn't th- take it too seriously. Um, and then we leaned in to what we needed to do and what we were better at, which was, in the end, uh, building a Kickstarter.
0: So if you were to look at recently, like, let's use the last, like, two months recently. What's something... Um, in your either in with co extinction or even in your personal life where you've had where you've applied that, like let go and lean back in. Because I think you know, the concert is kind of a visible okay, this didn't work out very well. What I'm gonna like let go and then figure out what's next. And sometimes it's not that clear that it's something that you need to let go of. You know what I mean? Sometimes it's just like you feel like you're hitting your head against the wall. And it's like, this is never going to work out or whatever, but you're not even aware of that. And then it takes a while to kind of uncover that. Is there anything recently that you, that you kind of were working through with that?
1: Definitely. I mean, I think we, we all are. And the funny thing is, you know, in the way, the funny thing is that we have so many opportunities to hold on to things in our lives. We just choose certain things. Based on like the stories yeah. that we're telling ourselves, so, um, you know, like someone could give you a, a, like a a dirty look at the coffee shop, and that wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't care like at all. You would that you would just go on with your day, and it wouldn't affect you whatsoever. But maybe someone else would like hold on to that. Uh, just as an example, so um, I think keeping that in mind just makes it so clear that you do have a choice. Um, And often, like, it's a subconscious choice. But when you notice that you're holding on to something, um, then you can try to work to make it, like, a conscious choice to, like, let go of it so it doesn't, uh, so, like, subconsciously, you're no longer holding on to it. Once you realize that there's something there that you're holding on to, you want to make it a habit to not, like, hold on to it. Uh, For me, in my personal life, I mean, I I guess about two years ago, there's there's a lot of different things. But two years ago, I found out I have ADHD. It made a lot of things make sense in my life. Um, that I had a lot of trials and tribulations that I had experienced um, suddenly made sense, and things that I had been struggling with. Um, and since since then, it's been hard for me because that's such a a label at times to like let go of that label um, and lean into whatever it is that I want to I want to create like how do I not let that label affect me it could be used easily as an excuse or as an explanation for why I'm feeling bad one day it often comes up um, for me in that way so yeah that's something I'm working on letting go of right now personally yeah
0: so, it's interesting because I've been a secret stalker for two years. <laughs> and so how, how long ago did you move out west? Was it two years ago? A year and a half? Uh, I moved
1: out west about a uh, literally a year and one month ago, actually, today.
0: Really? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, you and I connected very shortly before you moved out west. And mm-hmm. I remember we had very similar type conversations. Um, and and it's it's been interesting kind of being that secret stalker watching the progression. Um, and in my experience, you're you're pretty open on social media about what you're going through. And obviously to a certain extent. Um, and so in the last year, what it what's what's helped you really handle the amount of ups and downs that come with uh, with the creative life and really pursuing your passions. And I think there's something recently you wrote about um, moving out West and the West Coast life um, that really impacted you versus kind of how you had created your life in Toronto. And so if you were to look at that – um what's been the biggest help for you in the last year since you moved out West and really been full time in, cause it's been full time essentially for Coextinction since. Yeah. Yeah. Almost. Yeah. It's been almost a year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a great question because uh, initially when you started asking it, I was just thinking, Uh, I found there's just been so much value in really um, trying to simplify as much as possible like a a, a mindset to allow you to continue moving forward despite difficulties. Um, And so I've kind of landed on that as we've already talked about, let go, lean in um, and the enduring optimism idea. But uh, in tandem with that, there's so many other things. I think if if you could simplify it Um, that will allow you to continue moving forward and like making decisions that are best for you. And one of the best decisions that you can make is to put yourself in an environment that's going to be conducive to enabling you to move in the direction that you want to go or or improve. And moving out West for me was, was really, was really that. It allowed me to step fully into who I want to be and who I feel I am. Um, So, Yeah, that's been incredibly transformative. And I think that my progress would not be in the direction that I want to go, like who I want to be would not nearly be uh, where it is today if I hadn't made that leap. And I think even further to the westernmost point of Vancouver Island. So initially I moved to um, Vancouver Island. I was working for Sea Legacy for a little bit uh, for the summer. When I first moved out here but I lived you know on the east coast of the island and then in Vancouver a little bit in Seattle um and I always had this dream though of living like right on the ocean and learning how to surf and for some reason that felt like a something that my identity wanted to experience so um but it was a leap because um Tofino where I live now it's a bit remote and I didn't really know anyone except for one person moving there uh, but I decided to do it and I think that was one of the best decisions that I've made. It was very much like a heart, like a gut instinct move as opposed to a logical decision. Um, and that has even further propelled my personal progress in the way in, in, in becoming who it is that I want to be. Um, yeah.
0: I. And I, I want to unravel a little bit of this if you're okay, because I think there's so much gold in this because it's not like, you know, everybody doesn't need to move out west no. and move to the most northern remote <laughs> part of an island to be able to do it, <laughs> right? Um, uh, and there's there's some there's something that there's like some some gold in there that's applicable to everyone. And so for you, what was it that really allowed you to step into what you have since you moved out West and like what, if you were to look at it, was it a change of location and just letting everything that had happened in Toronto or Ontario just be like what for you really gave you that freedom?
1: Uh yeah it was it was a progression certainly it was a progression and beginning to recognize the progression and acknowledge the progression and how i felt like in my body as well as um i mean for the majority of my life i was quite agnostic in fact i was uh quite atheist growing up a uh, big science had and like engineering was, you know, the path that I, I was, I, I didn't believe in God. I wasn't spiritual whatsoever. And then I kind of opened up to the ideas of, uh, to being more spiritual. I don't necessarily believe in God, but just being connected to that side, that way of being, um, being open to different ideas around uh, spirituality has uh, even further enabled um, that kind of growth uh, so that would be something that I think I would really recommend to, um, to anyone. I think you need, in order to be fully in yourself and progressing in yourself, expressing your fullest version of self or moving towards that, you need to have the three elements of, of kind of being in place. Like you need to be uh, mentally kind of engaged or reflective with yourself You need to be physically engaged, like you need to keep your body healthy and also like know what it feels like to be in your body and you need to, um, yeah, have some sort of spiritual element to self because those things ground you. So no matter what's going on, like in your life, at least you have the ability to like be in touch with yourself. So you can have those necessary reflective conversations with yourself that are so important when you're going through change or you're going through difficult times Um, The West Coast is certainly a place that culturally, like, aligns with those ways of being much more. Um, And so, and I was also kind of figuring it out at the same time. So moving out there, uh, I really clicked into that idea more so.
0: Yeah, it's interesting that you, you know, you share that because um, I, I was living in Guelph, Mm, for like two and a half years when I came back from traveling and and then in March of this year, so about two months ago, I was reading the book called Willpower Doesn't Work. And for two and a half years I felt really stuck. Like stuck, yeah. stuck, 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 stuck. My family jokes that like it's the time where Dominique just hid it in her apartment for like a year and did nothing. And it was a really challenging time in my life. And I just felt stuck and like I was consistently hitting my head against the wall. And um, and then I was reading this book at like 10 p.m. at night called Willpower Doesn't Work. And he one of his premises is that um, willpower is not as strong as your environment. And so if you really want to create lasting change and almost create an easier way of like moving towards what you want to do, really examine your environment. And so at 10pm that night, I was like, I've been saying I wanted to move to Toronto for years. At 10pm that night, I was like, I'm going to move to Toronto. And it made no logical sense. Like I was living rent free in Guelph. Like it, I had no job opportunities in Toronto, like nothing. It made no logical sense whatsoever. And I was just like, I'm going to move to Toronto. Like, that is the, env- my environment right now is not conducive to anything I want. And I think for so long, for two and a half years, that environment had really been a place where I experienced so much anxiety and depression, that it was just that time, it was just like, I have to go and really shift it. And so in did matter like a week, it things kind of had just worked out, I reached out to a bunch of people. And then I moved to Toronto. And I remember thinking, like, oh my goodness, like this really changing that environment really shifted so much. And, and like, I remember telling somebody, I was like, and it's not logical, like, I'm paying more money, I don't know what I'm doing, like, blah, 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 blah. But that energy shift out of being in a place where there was just so many negative emotions I had attached to it. And then it was kind of like a clean line in the sand. I'm moving to Toronto it has really shifted everything in a very significant direction, the op- like a, the complete opposite totally. way. And so it sounds like for you moving out West was that environment.
1: Totally. Changing. Yeah. I completely align with your story and moving out West and then even more so moving to Tofino from Vancouver, similarly, like nonsensical, like log- logically, Um, It doesn't make sense. After that experience, I came up with this rule for myself in life where if you have a strong pull in a particular direction, that's like heart or gut instinctual, but the logic doesn't necessarily play in. Like if you have a decision, if you have an important decision to make, you need to follow. It's the classic saying, like you need to follow your gut, you need to follow your instinct and you need to do it. And then the rest will fall into place afterwards like you can figure out you can logic it out you can come up with the steps um once you're once you're there it's like the building the, the 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 plane as you like jump off the cliff first and then build the plane on the way down idea um which sounds like that makes it sound so risky but at the end of the day like you know you could have moved to Toronto and being like oh this doesn't this is this, this is actually hot, really hard and, and not what I need. It, this wasn't a good choice like I thought it was, but I'm gonna move back. Um, same with me for Tofino. Like I set I set up some um, some uh, safety mechanisms there. Like I got uh, I didn't lock myself into like a year long rent. I got like a, a three month uh, situ- living situation, and I said I would make a decision at the end of three months. What ended up happening was my You know, I was so right on moving forward in that gut instinct that it was, like, a week in, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to live here for the rest of my life kind of thing. (laughs) I knew. I knew right away. Um, And everything else, like, started falling in place along with that. But, yeah, yeah, I love that story about about moving to Toronto. Changing your environment is so important, um, especially if you're going through a hard time. I think if you – from personal experience, like – when I was going through a really difficult time, mostly that was in university. Um, I was in the college environment. My mind was so all over the place. Like I was such a mess. I was so anxious and depressed and had so many issues, um, that I, I couldn't, even though I, I, I've always, I've always tried to like be reflective and journal and whatnot. And I was doing that. I don't really feel like I was as I was that in touch with myself i was so ungrounded then um i think uh, you can find yourself in that situation and that makes it harder to then make good decisions for yourself like to to realize that you need to leave um but i think if you are in a place for an extended period of time and you're enduring a lot of suffering but you have the option to choose to step out of that environment for a period of time you should choose to do so like as a rule you don't at that point you don't need to have like that gut instinct or the heart or whatever all of this stuff like the woo-woo stuff i'm i'm like talking about um <laughs> because you might not necessarily be in touch with that then because you're struggling so much so I think a good example like would be like if you're in a, in a relationship that's like toxic and spending too much time together is just like hurting both of you, but you don't want to leave because it's what you know um, at the end of the day, it's better if you just, you know, for the health or the future of the relationship and for yourself to take some time apart.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if I were to rewind a bit, you know, it's, It sounds like in the last year, you've really been able to like zero in and have a sense of clarity you you may not necessarily have even had before. Is that, what would you say about that?
1: Yeah, that's definitely true. Um, That's very true. I have a strong sense of who I am and who I'm becoming and a strong sense of where I'm going and what I want to do, what my like dreams are. And I've narrowed them down, which for me is being like radical because I've always been just interested in so many different things (laughs) Uh, and all over the place. Like that's the ADHD brain. That's the creative person's brain, (laughs) you know. Um, So, yeah, yeah, it's been really cool uh, that way. But it's 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 taken a lot of work honestly like behind the scenes like in my own little world it's taken a lot a lot of reflection and trying out different things and uh uh yeah yeah so
0: yeah because i that's what i actually wanted to ask was it because and it's easy to look at you doing co-extinction and now moving into the ro- new role you have and be like she has so much clarity it's focused like she's got to figure it figured out but would you say it's because you 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 tried enough things that it's, I don't know how to describe it. I think, you know, I often wish, like, I just wish the one thing would drop into my lap mm-hmm. and I could just have clarity and just, you know, be focused, right? Um, because I'm also equally, you know, all over the map. And, uh, and then sometimes I'm just like, you know, when's it going to happen to me? And then you look at people. And so it's easy to look at people who seem to kind of have that one thing that they're passionate about, that they're able to invest, you know, quality focused time on and be like, well, they have it figured out. But I think what's not talked about is what was the process that it and what was the process that got them to the point that they're at? And that doesn't mean that they haven't figured out even then. So if you were to look at where you are right now, and I know you said you had a, a ton of things behind the scenes. You know what was that backstory? Was it you had done? You know, one species before. You kind of you know tried things out there. Um, you know, if somebody would come up to you and say, you know, I have so many ideas. Dah, 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 what would you tell them?
1: Yeah, um, yeah, I've had so many ideas and executed quite a number of them in small ways and big ways in some capacity. Um, And I think that has been a really big thing for me is just like doing, just like trying different things. Um, So having a strong, in the early days, like in high school, you know, I wanted to be an astronaut, like that's, so I was doing all these like space design competitions and I got to experience that. And then I, I went into engineering and then I did all of this like, I don't know. I tried like these different sports, and I tried uh, these different—like so many different clubs and um, activities—and then I got into the entrepreneurship world, and then I really clicked. Um, But it wasn't like a full click. But there was like something there that was this—that felt distinctly different. Um, It was a stronger pull, and I felt like I had found a home. I was like, "These are my people," you know. Entrepreneurial people are my people. Um, and it was like a giant sift, you know, it was like from high school to university to entrepreneurship to now, like, uh, I guess filmmaking and, uh, conservation world. Um, you know, you might not necessarily be able to see the, the ties between those on a high level, but in my uh, realm of experience, each one kind of led to the other and it was like a sift, um. Where I kind of got down, I distilled down to the gold over a period of time. But in tandem with that, like actually going through the motions and like doing those things, um, there was so much reflection. Me, like journaling to myself, being like, "Here's what I want to do. Here's what my dream life is. Here's what I, you know, this is." And it was, it's, it constantly evolved. I, I would be like. I would be like, okay, this is it. Like this is <laughs> this is who I want to be, <laughs> and I'd be like, I know it, I know it. And then you know, like a like a child, like being like, I want to be an astronaut, and you're like, yeah, sure, buddy. You know, like <laughs> from the outside looking in, that was uh, that was like what was happening, right? Like I was just going through the motion of of playing it out in my mind, like what would it, but really, really, truly committing and to to that experience, being like, I want This is what I want to do. And, um, who knows, maybe that's still going on to some degree. Uh, (laughs) you know, I say, I told you before, like I, this is, I know who I, who I'm becoming and what I want to do with greater clarity than I've ever had. And that's why I use the analogy of a sift, but maybe there's, you know, maybe that will shift because of some life experience that I have, or, you know, maybe at the end of the distribution of this documentary series, I'll be like, oh, whoa, okay. Actually, like this is the specific element of the documentary filmmaking that I like, or I want to pivot. I know life is like chaotic, you know, it's easy from the outside looking in to see someone who's like on some seemingly straight path, but more often than not, those are just stories. Like they're just the branding of the person or the brand, like the branding is storytelling. Like it's kind of one in the same. Um, it's the way the person has positioned themselves or the part that you're hearing of their lives, but you don't see the big picture. Um, so that's very, definitely very true of me and, and on social media, which it's a tool that I use extensively and even more so into the future. I'm I'm clear that I need to use it even more and I will be using it more. Um, I know that I need to position myself in such a way. Uh, and so I make sure that the content that I put out there is like in line, at least with within a certain realm of things, um, so I don't, you know, throw people off when <laughs> when they look at my content, um, because I'm trying to make myself like that's the career that I'm trying to create for myself now.
0: Yeah, and what's that? What is that? What is that career that you're, you're like creating?
1: Um, yeah. So I, I really, I love documentary filmmaking so much that so landing on co-extinction that was a big aha like okay i definitely want i could do this for a long time so i definitely want to be in the documentary filmmaking space for a while longer specifically i loved the roles that i played so i'm the co-director uh, co-producer and, and a host but i really love the directing and the hosting um i would i really want to do more hosting And I want to do more creating of content as well, like short form content. So I love to make videos and, and write things and talk to the camera and that's just more and more of what I want to do. So hosting, speaking, writing, documentary, filmmaking, um, basically sharing ideas and being a storyteller is what I want to do with, with my life. And, Um, certainly I have passions for conservation and the wild world. So in that domain would be awesome. Um, That's where I'm headed. And otherwise uh, I've got strong interests in mental health and philosophy for life. So um, I'll probably be playing in those domains as well, but that's the fun thing as a storyteller and as a creative, I'm sure you realize even through this podcast, you get to kind of touch on different things. You get to play in different subject matters and, and learn lots um, and create different things. And you still get to brand yourself or position yourself as that same, like storyteller, creative or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have two, two things I wanted to um, cover before we wrap up here. And one was, you know, you said the career you're kind of carving out is a host storyteller director. And I think often people are like, good luck, you know, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. like, that's so in the sky. Um, but I know just from the small pieces I know of what you've done, like, you've really carved out where you are right now is like, how you got your job with Sea Legacy, right? Was wasn't it you were at a, a talk mm-hmm. that Right, and so if you were to look at, and somebody were to be like, "Well, how am I supposed to carve out opportunities for me?" Like, I'm sure probably something similar happened with this Swedish startup. Yeah. Like, what would you say you've you found really helpful in actually carving out those opportunities for yourself?
1: I think the biggest thing is um, it's not confidence, though. On the outside, it might look like confidence. Confidence. It could be again that optimism or even naivety. I think, but if you go in to any situation with like a positive, excited attitude, a passionate eye, um, you're just like you know you want to learn, you want to engage. Um, I think that draws opportunities in itself. So if you know what subjects you're interested in or what kind of you want to be. Uh, roughly like putting yourself in situations where you can like engage and like sink in your teeth. And then when an opportunity arises, like, or there might be an opportunity arising, like be the reason like you can, even if you have no experience in that thing, like you can be confident, you can be confident because there's so much power in the desire to learn. There's so much power in, in genuine passion and excitement and I think just by showing that uh that that is that is more you know it's it's when 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 people are hiring you know people for their for their company you know they often look at the skill set and then they look at the attitude and uh attitude matters so 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 much um and I think if you have the skill set like that's a that's a definitely valuable um you know if you have more chances of getting more opportunities if you've got the skill set and you're putting yourself out there in a really positive engaged way but for example uh yeah with this uh, Swedish startup um they contacted me over Instagram uh and it was initially like pretty unclear like what our relationship was for literally like 8 months <laughs> um Yeah, it was a long time we were talking and I was helping them, uh, consulting with them, like just voluntarily uh, to help them with their platform. But I really believed in what they were creating. I saw the vision and I communicated that enthusiasm to them on multiple occasions. And it just so happened that my skill set lined up so well with what they needed and they connected with my personality, my enthusiasm, my confidence uh, around around. The, their idea and my, my desire to connect with, uh, that they ended up giving me this incredible opportunity, which is now, you know, turning into this really amazing job that I'm going to be, uh, doing. Uh, so yeah. Does, does that make sense? Like, just like,
0: <laughs> I love it. And it reminded me, you know, I consistently have to remind myself cause I'm a huge perfectionist. Mm. And so even with this podcast, I'm like, this is not what I want, right? It's like, there's so many things missing in my head for what I think I want the podcast to be or even in like the documentary I'm making, right? Um, and then I just consistently remind myself, is like, I, you know, whatever I'm developing now will open doors for mm, something totally. in the future. And so, because it's so easy for me to be like, it's not working and just like pause it and be like, whatever, I'll come back to it. But I'm like, yeah, you know, probably the first however many episodes of the podcast aren't going to be great, right? And that's okay, because I'll have learned so much from that. And it shows a background when I go and have conversations with people that, you know, I've invested time and all that stuff into whatever, versus like, oh, this is something I want to do. And I have no background experience or skill set. And so I just consistently remind myself, like, it's okay, to make that it's not perfect. It's okay that it's not even close to what you think you want it to be. It's okay. I just need to take this one step in something that I'm passionate about. And then when I take that step, then okay. I have the next step. And so in what you said about creating those opportunities, that's what came to yeah. me mind for me. Embrace like, the okay, suck, right?
1: Embrace the suck. I like that saying. I like that saying so much <laughs> because it kind of makes it goofy. It's like at the end of the day, no one has any idea what they're doing in their lives, you know? Like that was I watched this video once and it was like advice. Have you ever seen that on Facebook where it's like a 6-year-old give advice to a 4-year-old, then an 8-year-old gives advice to a 6-year-old and then it goes all the way up to like <laughs> 65 giving advice to a 50-year-old and then ends on this like 106-year-old and he's like he's just sitting back in his chair with his like jowls and he's like he just he just like chuckles he's like mm-hmm. well, no one has any idea what they're doing <laughs> so just don't just, just do you is what he says uh, and i was like yes that's the most profound thing as profound and powerful as it is it's also awesome because it allows you to just keep like a it doesn't it, like it allows you to keep that kind of like good humored attitude about things where like if you fuck up (laughs) you you know like it's a it's okay it Uh doesn't matter I've like made so like I I still have things that like you know I've got lots of great things going for me now like life is life's great it's on the upturn now it's it's true but Uh um alongside that I've got a lot of stuff that I gotta that I still am working on and like failures that like I'm working through and uh Yeah, I think just like keeping that real attitude and 20 years from now, you're not going to care that like, you know, your first 10 podcasts weren't that great. And like, I'm, I'm probably gonna look back on my first documentary series and be like, oh man, that was rough, (laughs) you know, but, but it's a stepping, it's certainly a stepping stone. So, um, but I guess like, but the thing is like, you don't want to get, I think you don't want to get too wrapped up in that like nonchalant mindset either, Mm. because Um, then it, then you can just like, you know, you can just be like, oh, well, it it doesn't matter. I, I think that being a perfectionist is a powerful attribute as a creator and being, when you pair that with like a visionary type mindset, which most creative people have, like, you just like keep your, your sights set on this dream and the goal for whatever it is that you're doing. And like, that will propel you, that will continue to propel you forward, uh, that's what, makes it, that's what makes you excited to do what it is you're doing. Like, if you're not excited to do what you're doing, then why are you doing it, right? Like, if you're not enjoying it, you're not excited for the future of it, like, I don't know, like, don't force yourself to do it Yeah. Kind of thing, right? yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: It really is finding that, you know, that balance between, because so I just know for me, my, like, perfectionist habits would really take me out of the game. It's like, mm. I've been thinking about doing this podcast for five years actually, right? Yeah, yeah. And finally, I was just like, you know, what? I'm just going to do it. And I'm going to learn way more from actually doing it. than I'm not right. And then just yeah. learn and reiterate. Okay, my last question for you is, you know, so somebody came up and said, Okay, so I have this idea about X, Y, and Z, I really want to do. And I feel stuck right now. With everything that you've kind of experienced, everything that you've Create in the last two years, what would you say, not necessarily even strategically, it could be strategically, but what would you say or like the two or three things you would suggest um, for them to do in in actually making what they want to create a reality? And I know that was really vague, but I'm sure you'll be able to pull some gold out of that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> I would. Hmm. Well, I would say first or, thing. Let me
0: pause. Mm-hmm. If some, if you were to ask yourself, if you three years ago were to ask yourself now, I you know whatever, mm-hmm. what would you actually say? What were the two or three things that have been really helpful for you in the last couple of years? Whatever has been helpful for you. Yeah,
1: I would say contrary to what you might think initially is like if you're stuck like oh you need to figure out like why you're stuck you need to you need to make up you need to make a plan and develop out like what what it is that you're trying to achieve or go for but rather I would say you just need to do some small some small thing in that direction like you actually just need Mm. to do it in some way um and like, and like get excited about doing that um i think i think that's the most important thing because that kind of that that plants the seed of momentum and momentum is really what you need to pull yourself out of a hole like to get unstuck like you mm-hmm. you need you need i mean you you need momentum if you want it to to happen relatively quickly like i'm not talking about like a couple of days but like if you want to like if you're committed to pulling yourself out like momentum is like the most powerful tool to make it happen um quickly otherwise like there's nothing wrong either with like just doing a small thing here or there and then eventually it it grows into something and you find yourself on the other side of the bridge like two years later like that's another way of like achieving something or changing your life um but yeah i mean i would plant a seed I, I would plant a seed of momentum. I would plant a seed of, of, uh, of, 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 a vision of, of an idea or of a way of being, or plant a seed of a habit. So, um, that could be, you know, as small as like setting up a conversation with someone who could give you like advice or thoughts to like, you know, signing up for some, cl- depending on whatever it is that you're doing, like signing up for a class or like signing up for a race or, um, you know, like buying, buying yeah. the gear. Like, I think that's like something that people do regularly, but it tends to be a bit of a, a cop out. But I think that it can help some people is just like investing in it, like buy the journal, buy the microphone, buy the gear, buy the camera. Mm. Um, just take baby mm-hmm. steps forward. Um, yeah, and then yeah. I, I, again, just like be like, allow that to feed your like excitement and your optimism. And even if you don't have money, if you don't have time, like if you can just do those small things, like you make space for things that are important enough in your life. So um, if you get excited enough about it, like you're gonna make the space for it. You know, kind of like a crush. <laughs> mm. Yeah, fall in love with it. Mm. Yeah,
0: I love that. Yeah, It's like take that one step even no matter how small it seems, and it'll continue that mm-hmm. momentum moving forward. I love that. That's actually so great because I, the first time I ever shot for this documentary, I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to shoot. And then I was like, no, Dominic, I'm just going to go. I don't know what I'm doing. And just going and actually shooting, I'll learn something from it. And I probably won't even use any of the footage, but at least I'll have learned something. And it's true, that right? It was like that, that one small step. I love that. Yeah.
1: Gloria is actually like, so co-extinction is like kind of like Gloria's childhood dream. Like she, you know, this is like a Gloria, my documentary partner. Um, And she, a year before, you know, when the year before we started the film, she did just that. She like got like a camera. She had like a GoPro with her. She brought it (laughs) out to work while she was on the water. And like, Obviously, like, yeah, but the footage is for the most part, actually, some of it has, is making the series actually is like kind of really? old, yeah, cool old footage, but it's, it's, it's more to tell the story as opposed to like, it being like, you know, the, the, the like feature, cinematic. Yeah, the, speech, the cinematic stuff. Yeah, <laughs> she was not, she was not in the cinematic headspace at the time, but she was in the headspace <laughs> of this is what I want to do. And so that was all that really mattered. It transformed into the real thing a year later.
0: Yeah. I think that's so important. Mm-hmm. Oh, this has been so good. I feel like I, now I need to go and like take one more step. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go do yeah. it. Um, that's so great. And I really, you know, I always like to end these really acknowledging, you know, the person I interview because, I think the more I've dug into actually following what I'm committed to and what's important to me is, uh, it's, it takes something to actually face what's in your way of creating what you want. Right? Like there's a lot of, um, stuff you need to process and things you need to sit with that sometimes are way easier to just kind of put in the corner and go do something else. And, um, and, from everything you've shared in the last hour, like it sounds like you really took that on and it's not easy. And like, sometimes I'm like, I'm just going to hide in the corner and just ignore everything that's coming up right now and, you know, deal with it later. Um, But to consistently come back and address like whatever, whatever's in your way of creating what you want or being the person, you know, in the last even year or since moving out West really takes something. And, uh, and it's so encouraging to hear you share even the bits and pieces of that. So thank you yeah, for sharing that. Yeah, so
1: nice. Thanks for having me. I'm really stoked that you had your idea for having a podcast for five years and now you're actually doing it.